0: You doing? Happy Friday. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. Only true democracy and talk. And you hear, woman, you got your woman, you got your woman. And then you have another woman, much more important than me, joining us in the second half of the program. And that is the first female president of a union, President Liz Shuler, who is president of the AFL CIO, joining us on the one year anniversary of that historic landmark voting decision. Um, uh, by a union that has men and women, but more guys than gals. So I'm really uh, I- impressed by that and excited by that. Stick around for that. But right now, let's kick it off and check what is ripped. Well, there is an indictment against former President Donald J. Trump, and the Trump indictment has been released. The indictment outlining federal charges against the former president – alleged mishandling of classified documents that have been unsealed, revealing he's been charged with 37 felony counts. Now, I wanna do a side for a second, okay? Because I already know what my colleagues on the right are gonna say. They're gonna say that Merrick Garland and the DOJ are politically motivated, that they're Biden's DOJ. Be honest, we would say that on the left as well because of the timing of this with an election coming up. But let's remember, it wasn't until the pre- former president left office that any invest and until the records were found and until he refused to hand them over, um, that this occurred. Because there are going to be people saying, well, Biden had documents, Pence had documents, but they didn't refuse to um give them back. And they also are not caught on video knowingly taking classified documents. So it, it it's very, very different. And I know those of the right are gonna say it's politically motivated, but no, it isn't because It takes time to get to this point. You know, you don't just like, you know, you know, look at a cliff note version of, you know, potential felony counts, 37 of them, folks. Now, the document released today also names uh, the Trump aide, Walt Nauta. Uh, and outlines criminal charges related to over 100 classified documents and federal agents recovered from his resort uh, in August of last year. It accuses the former president of breaking seven different laws. That includes 31 counts of willful retention of national defense information and single counts of false statements and representations. Conspiracy to obstruct justice. Withholding a document or record, corruptly concealing a document, concealing a document in a federal investigation, and a scheme to conceal. It says the information, uh, it, excuse me, it says <clears throat> the, that the Donald Trump took with him when he left office, quote, included information regarding defense and weapons capabilities of both the US and foreign countries, United States nuclear programs, potential vulnerabilities of the United States and its allies to military attack, and plans for a possible retaliation in response to a foreign attack. Now, I'm sorry, I know some of you, probably not many of you watching Love Donald Trump, but I know some of you do. And, you know, you're not gonna agree with me on this, but those of you who could take him or leave him and those of you who loathe him, um, I think would agree with me that you cannot trust him with this kind of information, especially after leaving office. One, it's illegal for him to have it and knowingly take it and no only try to cover up that he took it, what was the purpose in him taking it? I mean, this is a man that continually perpetuates a lie that he actually won the election in 2020, which he did not. We saw what happened with his cult-like followers on January 6th, and I say cult-like followers because not everyone who is a MAGA is, is a cult-like follower. There are people out there who are just Republicans or just love Donald Trump, but they wouldn't follow him like lambs to the slaughter. And I mean, what would this guy do? We don't know. We don't know what he would do to elevate himself, to try and create upheaval, to get back into the Oval Office, or to make money, or you know, e all of the above, with somebody like Putin, with somebody like the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, with somebody like Kim Jong-un of North Korea. We just don't know. So this information is dangerous for somebody to have, but I'm sorry. You know, there are those of you out there who don't want to vote you voted for him once, maybe voted for him twice. You're not going to do it a third time, either because you didn't do it the second time, or you don't want to happen the first time around. And and you know, people talk about instability with Biden's age. What about instability with reckless behavior? This is reckless behavior, knowingly and I'm and, and video acknowledging reckless behavior and orchestrating it now the documents originated with all of the top national security and law enforcement agencies of the united states that includes the cia the department of defense the nsa the national geospatial intelligence agency the national reconnaissance office the department of energy and the department of state and bureau of intelligence research according to the indictment so for people who want to say it's political then you would have to believe that the cia the dod the nsa the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, the National Reconnaissance Office, and the Department of Energy, along with the Department of State and, uh, the, uh, and Bureau of Intelligence Research, are all Biden's bidders. And I think we'd agree that no American is that stupid to believe that. I'm sorry. It also says that on two occasions in 2021, Trump showed classified documents to others. In one instance, he showed a writer, a publisher, and two members of his staff who lacked security clearance a copy of a plan of attack that, according to a recording of Donald Trump himself, where he describes it as highly confidential. This is what the indictment further states. Now, in the second instance, Trump showed two members of his political action committee, neither again who had security clearance, a classified map related to a military operation. Both of those incidents occurred at his New Jersey golf club, and that means the documents would have been transported from, from Florida to New Jersey. And when you cross state lines, folks, you know, whether you do it with documents, drugs, or a, a, a person, that's a felony. It also alleges the documents were stored haphazardly. On the stage of the Mar-a-Lago ballroom for two months, also kept in a bathroom and a shower. I know people are going to say things about Biden's garage and does anybody know or care where Pence's were kept? On one occasion in December of 2021, Nauta entered the storage room where they'd been moved to and found several of the boxes had fallen with their contents spilled on the floor, including one marked secret, the filing says. It also shows Trump had been aware of the existence of the boxes and, and about what was inside them. And and would have now to bring him various boxes from time to time after he left the presidency. It also lays out in plain detail a series of texts between two Trump employees and Nauta from November 2021 through January of 2022 that make clear that the former president wanted to review boxes before some were returned to the National Archives. After the Fed subpoenaed him for their attorney, allegedly told one of his attorneys, quote, I don't want anybody looking through my boxes, quote, wouldn't it be better if we just told them we didn't have anything here? And this is his lawyer quoting him. Trump has denied any wrongdoing, maintained the documents were to do with as he pleased. This is a man who believes he's above the law. This is a man who does not get this. He doesn't get it. Let's rip another. Now, Donald Trump would say he's replacing his lawyers, but the reality is, two of his lawyers defending him on federal charges of illegally retaining classified documents quit this case today. A former aide was charged as well. In surprise developments, one day after the former U.S. president was indicted, now on social uh, Truth Social, uh, the Trump's platform, uh, and uh, you know that his former military valet, Walt Nauta, had been charged in the case. Nauta went to work at Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort after working in the Trump White House. Unclear what the charges are there. Uh, now lawyers for Nauta, uh, Stanley Woodward declined to comment a spokesperson for special counsel Jack Smith who is leading the prosecution has not been reached by press at this time now to quote served proudly with me according to Donald Trump in the White House. Uh, retired as senior chief, and then transitioned into private life as a personal aide. Now, in an earlier post, Trump said he 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 who would be represented in the case by white-collar defense lawyer Todd Blanche, who was representing him in a separate criminal case uh, in uh, Manhattan in the state of New York. Well, Trump made the announcement after his lawyers John Rowley and Jim Trusty quit the case. Now, what are the reasons? Not immediately clear. Quote, This morning, we tendered our resignations as counsel to President Trump. It has been an honor to have spent the last year defending him, and we know he will be vindicated. (laughs) Saving face. Trump faces seven criminal counts related to his treatment of sensitive government materials he took with him when he left the White House in January 2021. Uh, He is due to appear in the Florida court. Uh, that's ne- uh, that's a uh, Tuesday, by the way, a day before his 77th birthday. For those of you that think he's 25, the indictment of a former U.S. president and federal charges, unprecedented in the history of our nation. And it emerges at a time when he is the front runner for the Republican presidential nomination next year. So everybody on the right is going to think this smells rotten. The timing is rotten and it's politically motivated, but it isn't. I'm Leslie Marshall. That's what's ripped from the headlines. When we come back, there'll be another uh, version of ripped. Before we're joined at the bottom of the hour for the second half of the show by President One Year Anniversary Liz Schuler of the AFL CIO. Back to you. We'll be with her later after this. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at lesliemarshallshow.com. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall and we'll be sure to share your tweets. I'm Leslie Marshall coming up after this segment for the last two segments. The last half of the hour is President Liz Shuler. She is president and it's the anniversary of her election as president to the AFL-CIO. Over 60 unions, not just one there, folks, over 60. Uh, and I love as a woman having a woman in charge there uh, for something that for so many years was considered a guy's work, right? A man's job. We'll be talking to her coming up. Stick around for that. But right now, let's continue what's ripped from these headlines. Well, major cities... Are have been trapped, as you've seen all over the news and all over social media, under a thick orange blanket of smog this week and they're soon gonna get a reprieve. The Canadian wildfires, they're spewing noxious fumes across the border are easing up. The first activity in the province of Quebec has approved and the area covered by smoke is now just 7% of what it was last week. Slightly cooler temps, higher humidity in Canada, that means less smoke billowing across the border. But there are two big caveats and it's still early in the Canadian fire season. That means more wildfires could flare up this summer. And several US states are still suffering Poor air quality, and that could cause health problems. Now, two asides. I have never had allergies, right? And I have been suffering seriously for two weeks with ear pressure, headaches, ringing in the ears, neck pain, blurry vision. I went to a doctor and he said it could be a sinus infection, put me on antibiotic, or it could be allergies. The antibiotic took care of some of the stuff, but not all. And I've never had allergies. Now, you might say, well, you're in California, Leslie. You're not affected by the Canadian fire season. No. But I am I'm affected by El Nino. I am, I am also affected um, by the fact that we have hardly had any sun, it would seem, since October. We've just had rains and rains and rains, which what? Just push all this stuff around and, and we've had poor uh, poorer air quality than usual. And as somebody living in California, I totally get what they're going through on the East Coast because we have one or two at least huge fires a year. And during the Bobcat fire, we were potentially going to have to evacuate my home, and it was so bad during the Bobcat fire, we could not go in my backyard. I'm not kidding. And I'm blessed because I travel a lot that I have tons of points, and we just used points, and we would go to the, we would go out to San Diego. Uh, we would go out to the beaches, you know, like Laguna Beach or um, Newport Beach. Uh, we went up to Pismo Beach. Uh, we went up to um, uh, Santa Cruz just to get out of Dodge so we could go outside because you were stuck inside in the middle of the pandemic and then your kids couldn't even go outside. Your dog couldn't go. <laughs> it was terrible. I had to like, You know, wear a mask outside just to take my dog out, you know, for him to do his business. Um, So smoke from Canadian wildfires continue to be transported south by winds into the U.S., resulting in moderate to unhealthy air quality across parts of the Northeast and the Mid-Atlantic, Ohio Valley and Midwest today. That's according to the National Weather Service. They said some improvement expected this weekend. That's good news. Now, while the worst has passed for most of the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic regions, potentially harmful air pollutants in New York City, Philly and D.C., well, they're expected to linger today. They'll slowly clear up over the next uh, several days. Um, Philadelphia's air quality index exceeded 150 early today. That makes it unhealthy. That's according to the monitoring website AirNow. New York City's air quality index was below 150 early today, and that's deemed unhealthy for sensitive groups. Now the oppressive smoke this week has postponed professional sports games, grounded flights due to poor poor visibility, uh, shuttered zoos and beaches and forced many to mask up outdoors. Climate experts have warned such events are becoming more frequent due to human-induced climate change. For people that don't believe the climate's changing, I remember years ago, a professor once told me that there'll be a day, whether it's 50, 100, 200 years from now, where people in Miami will go to Boston to get away from the cold in the winter. Well, I didn't believe it, but when I went to New York a couple of weeks ago, when I I do outnumbered once a month on set in uh, New York at Fox, and when I went to New York a couple of weeks ago, it was 72 and sunny in New York, and it was 62 cloudy and cold and raining here in Los Angeles. Hmm. About 50 million people across several Midwest and East Coast states were under quality alerts today. The number could change as conditions improve in some areas. So here is what to expect: entire states' air quality is compromised. So that's all of Pennsylvania, Delaware, Connecticut, Rhode Island, New Jersey, and Indiana. They're under air quality alerts, as well as parts of Ohio, Michigan, Maryland, Virginia, and North Carolina. Now, some schools are going remote. Public schools in New York City, Philly, and Washington D.C. remote learning today to help reduce exposure to toxins in the air and. don't want those in our children's lungs new york city will improve after having the world's worst air quality multiple times this week according to iq air the big apple well they could see significant improvement mayor eric adams said yesterday as of right now and i quote the smoke models are not indicating another large plume over the city though we urged people to mask well when outside Now, evacuated Canadians, they can go home. Most of the Halifax residents evacuated because of the wildfires. They will be allowed to return home today. That's a good sign. The Mayor Mike Savage said about 16,000 people fled their homes during the height of the wildfire evacuations. About 4,100 remain evacuated. Firefighters are going to get help. New York state plans to send forest rangers to help fight the wildfires in Quebec today, according to the governor, Kathy Hochul. And she said uh, federal resources have been deployed. uh, The White House said as well. They thumbs up. Joe Biden doesn't hold a grudge. He just says, hey, you need help. Here you go. People, money. Scientists warn routine altering weathering events are more likely to continue disrupting daily life as the planet warms, creating the ideal environment for more frequent and uh, severe wildfires. And when flames burn, the smoke can travel thousands of miles, as you're all saying. I've certainly seen that in California. I was like, I can't even see where this fire is. It's miles away. How come I'm having so much smoke as if, you know, the fire is like two doors down and it isn't. And by the way, that puts millions of people in harm's way. Wildfire smoke it's particularly dangerous, uh, dangerous, and this is why. It contains tiny particulate matter. That's PM2.5. Now, that is the tiniest of pollutants, but it is a pollutant, and what happens is when you inhale it, it can move deep into your lung tissue and into your bloodstream. It comes from sources, and so masking does make a damn bit of difference here, folks. It comes from sources including the combustion of fossil fuels, dust storms, and wildfires. Such smoke has been linked to several health complications including asthma, heart disease, and other respiratory infections. Let's rip another. Ukraine continues to deal with the fallout of the destruction of its dam, the Kahakova dam. I'm saying it wrong, I think. Hydroelectric power station is well there. It burst open, as you remember, in the early hours on June 6 and caused massive flooding and destruction in the southern Kyrgyzstan region, Kiev. Kyiv and Moscow both blame each other for the attack. Rescue efforts continue as swathes of territory faced humanitarian and ecological ecological, disasters. Thousands of residents have been forced to flee their homes. Now, Ukraine's security service released audio of what it said was an intercepted phone call proving Russian forces were behind the sabotage attack. The dam had been in Russian-occupied territory since shortly after the full-scale invasion of Ukraine, which began back in February 2022 last year. Um, There is no verification of that audio as of yet. Russian authorities say three people were injured after a drone strike on the southern Russian city of Varanez and uh, damaged a residential building. That's 110 miles from the Ukrainian border. Let's rip another. And last but not least, in Rip, Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis' recruiters say they're setting their sights on Sacred Heart Catholic Church in the Texas border city of El Paso in search of asylum seekers that they can take from its bustling migrant shelter to the California capital, Sacramento. Here, and they want to do it all at the expense of taxpayers. I'm Leslie Marshall. That's what's ripped from the headlines. Coming up, President Liz Schuler on the first anniversary. Of the AFL-CIO's historic, uh, not takeover, but election, a democratic election um, of, for, and by all the people in those 60 unions who said Liz Shuler, President Shuler, would be best at what she does. A year later, we're going to take a look at all that she has done. Stick around for that. And as promised, you uh, you don't have one woman today, You have two. Um, I'm very excited about this person because I like her uh, both personally and professionally. I admire her greatly. And to have her here on this anniversary is awesome. Uh, we have President Liz Shuler. She is president of the AFL-CIO. And they are 60 unions and 12.5 million members under the AFL-CIO umbrella. She is the first woman leader of America's labor movement, a visionary leader, longtime trade unionist. And she believes the labor movement is the single most powerful vehicle for progress and that unions are a central force in leading lasting societal transformations. She's committed to busting myths about labor, leveraging the labor movement's diversity for innovative approaches to social justice, and making the benefits of a union voice on the job available to working people everywhere. I've known her for years. I am so proud of her. I've seen her rise. But before we get to our conversation, uh, check out the AFL-CIO website, aflcio.org. On Twitter, their handle is at aflcio. And President Schuler. Atlas Shuler. She's available there, L I Z S H U L E R. And we thank all of you for listening and for watching all the places that were heard and were seen. And certainly, President Shuler, we love having you on today. Um, yeah, thank you for joining us. And uh, I know you're really busy. Thanks for taking the time.
1: Thank you so much for the opportunity. And it's Friday afternoon. And I'm so excited to be with you, Leslie.
0: And and very excited to be with you, although we don't uh, have our, our normal, when we're outside of business, uh, glasses of red wine.
1: <laughs> no adult
0: beverages. I know. <laughs> um, you made history uh, as the first woman to be elected to lead the AFL-CIO, and, and, and along with Fred Redmond, who we love as well, who became the first black man, African-American, or person, to serve as secretary treasurer. When you look back on the last year, talk to me about things that bring you the most pride, what you're most proud of.
1: It's amazing that it's been a year already since our convention, number one. that That's striking. Um, but what a moment to be, uh, you know, fighting forward in the labor movement because it is a an absolute historic time in organized labor. Um, and I'm thinking back to June of last year when Fred and I were standing on the stage with, you know, all of our union activists and leaders. And we were setting out what I think we we said, building a movement to meet the moment. And we wanted to build a bold, modern, uh, inclusive labor movement of women and people of color at the center of it. And we've done exactly that. Uh, this year, we've, we've been laser focused, um, you know, as we've seen women and people of color leading a lot of these uh, strikes and organizing efforts, but, but really workers from every background coming together, rising up, demanding a voice in the workplace, um, young people who are so inspiring, um, you know, at the front edge of these campaigns in industries we never thought would be unionized. Yeah. Um, And and as we recover from the pandemic, um, you know, where everyone was focused on work, um, I think most people in this country are waking up to the realization that we deserve better, we deserve respect, we deserve dignity on the job. Um, and they're finally connecting the dots, as they say, that unions are the way to get there. So this is a resurgence. Um, so I'm most proud of that, that the AFL-CIO has really become a center of gravity for organizing, for uh, strategic approaches to um, you know, the investment that we're seeing with this administration, um, and, and really showing that no matter what kind of job you have, no matter what sector you're in, that Unions can be the pathway to a better life. And so I just want to throw a few out there because in tech, people are unionizing, architecture firms, you know, video game workers, um, certainly care workers, a lot of talk about, um, you know, the next generation of of retirement and, you know, the silver tsunami that's coming and the care work that's going to be needed. Care workers are organizing electric bus manufacturing, cannabis, (laughs) got to love that one. Um, and retail, you know, with Starbucks is getting a lot of attention. But we grew, I think it was 200,000 workers last year. And so I think that's a testament to this, this new um, uh, resurgence of energy and focus in the labor movement. Um, and, and, you know, we're standing up and demanding uh, what workers rightfully deserve.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and also across the spectrum with other unions as well. I mean, you have professional athletes, you have actors and writers, like the whole, you know, like it, it's wild to, you know, like you see teams just sag after, you know, marching, you know, for the writers and things. It's, yeah. it, it's awesome to see, you know, in your accept, acceptance speech, you, you actually delivered, and I quote, a call to action to organize, innovate, and reshape the labor movement to meet the moment that the country is in. When people win elections, they make a lot of promises. They say they, you know, their goals, you have actually in one year already ticked all of those boxes. And you and Secretary-Treasurer Redmond are two shining examples of the diversity of the AFL-CIO and all the unions
1: within. Well, absolutely. Thank you for that, because that's was our hope as we were, you know, a year ago taking that oath of office. And, um, you know, we set out a mandate at that time that we would focus all of our resources and attention and effort at the Federation on grassroots organizing. And it hasn't necessarily been uh, the focus of the FLCIO in the past because as you know, unions themselves really do the organizing. They're the ones on the ground, they're the ones running the drives. But if you think about the center of gravity that's needed to pull together strategy, research, Um, you know, the plans, getting unions to work together, which um, often, you know, doesn't happen and is now with this moment that we're in so obvious that we can maximize our strength If we come together across unions and really land on a specific sector or company. Um, One example was Amazon, of course, uh, in Alabama, where, um, you know, the RWDSU was organizing and we brought, I think there were um, 20 different unions that uh, sent organizers down because we said, you know what, this should be a movement priority. Um, And so we've made a lot of progress. You know, we've had a lot of victories, Um, you know, the um, the uh, retail workers, as I mentioned, Starbucks, uh, Apple, REI, et cetera. Um, But even places like The New York Times, Mm -hmm. uh, we have young people at universities that are that are organizing. Um, And, you know, most recently workers that um, do you remember the school bus company Bluebird? Yes. I remember it well, getting on the bus with the little Bluebird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But um, those workers down in Georgia uh, at an electric school bus division of Bluebird uh, just organized a union with the United Steelworkers. And you think about all these subsidies. We've been talking about clean energy, right, with the Biden administration and all the investments that's going to take place and trickle down to the ground. This is the first example where the Biden administration is investing in clean school buses. And they have said, in order to receive these subsidies, our taxpayer dollars, you have to create good union jobs. And that's exactly what happened. Those workers organized in a right-to-work state. And now we have nearly 1,000 workers in the South that are going to be building school buses with a good union contract. They have to negotiate it now, but they're, they're on the path.
0: No. And, 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 you know, that that's awesome. You know, people scream about China and this and that. Well, you want to you want to, you know, grow more jobs here. You want to keep jobs here. You want to have production plants, factories, et cetera here. Um, you know, you talk about the growth that the labor movement has seen. Um, you talk about young people uh, who see the value uh, in unions. And I'm wondering a couple of things. One, do you think the pandemic, in a sense, helped this uh, desire for unions because people not just didn't just look at wages, but they looked at a lot of other things that unions uh, provide for their workers.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, people saw work in such a different way through the pandemic. You know, you had people out there banging pots and pans because they saw healthcare care workers, um, you know, essential workers in transportation and, and grocery stores and you name it. Really rising up to make sure that the public was getting what they needed, were being kept safe, um, you know, obviously delivering the healthcare services we needed. So I think young people uh, absolutely saw the labor movement as the place to, act, to, to get those safety standards. Um, you know, when you saw nurses show up to a hospital having no PPE mm. and being given a garbage bag for safety. Uh, you know, those nurses with their union, they walked out and said, no way, we're not going to sacrifice our lives. This is so unknown. We need proper PPE. And okay. so they walked back in the hospital with the PPE they needed because they had the strength of their union. Okay. Um, I'm thinking about the, the smoke that's around us right now on the East Coast. And, and of course, in the West has been dealing with this, with the wildfires, you know, going on throughout the throughout the, the continent. Um, safety and health. You know, when when um, a baseball player, yeah. since the, you mentioned the athletes, they're members of the a- AFL CIO now, yeah. um, the Major League Baseball Players Association canceled a game. Right here in Washington D.C. because of the health hazards. If you didn't have a union, it would be, you know, almost impossible to come together collectively. Yeah,
0: they'd and- they'd be like, get you know, suit up and go out and play. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation. I'm Leslie Marshall. We are talking with President Liz Schuler. It is the first anniversary of her election, making history as a woman heading up. As president, a union with the AFL CIO is 60 unions, over 12 million members. She is truly a boss. We'll be back with her and you right after this. Don't go away. Thank you. Hey there, we are back with President Liz Schuler, One year anniversary of her heading up 60 unions, over 12 million members strong, the AFL-CIO. Check out their website, aflcio.org. On Twitter, follow them there, at AFL-CIO. And you can follow President Schuler, and I recommend you do as well, at Liz Schuller, L-I-Z-S-H-U-L-E-R. President Schuler, thank you for holding. Uh, welcome back. Um, I want to talk, I know you've talked about, you know, overall, you know, things that you know have been accomplished with you know industries that we haven't seen and sectors that we haven't seen you know becoming union members and things like that but what are some of the key things that the labor movement itself has accomplished
1: yes and it is exciting it is quite a moment as we were just talking about that hasn't really been this way in a generation where we have working people rising up we have a, the most pro-union administration in our history. Um, and we have the public support of unions, which is off the charts. It's never been this high, I think, in 60 years, where 70 percent of the public supports unions. And so and that's, and that's, of that's
0: really nice after so many politicians demonizing unions, like unions are to blame for anything. Come on.
1: And they're not obviously reading the polls or in touch with their constituents. Uh, so I think um, in terms of accomplishments, you know, we're talking about this year anniversary, um, during our convention last June, we set a mandate that, again, we were going to focus our efforts and our resources um, on grassroots organizing like never before. And so I think that, um, you know, keeping up this momentum, keeping up the enthusiasm um, is is really key uh, in terms of how we um you know, continue to to keep those that seventy percent or that seventy seven percent of young people those numbers high because when people take a risk and they come together and organize a union, um, negotiating a contract is really what the difficult part is. Um, you know, because of the labor laws being so badly broken, um, but we want to them to see the connection that coming together collectively and then getting that first contract is um is what protects them in their workplaces what balances the scales with big corporations and you know the this is a time of record profits where companies are um you know making more money than they ever have especially coming off this pandemic um, so we are continuing to um you know center this momentum um around the um, legislation that was, Just passed the three bills you've probably talked about on your show many times that the Biden administration has put forward um, with the Inflation Reduction Act, which is the clean energy investment, the chips and science, which is semiconductor investment, and, of course, the infrastructure bill, this is going to create millions of new good jobs in this country but they can only be union jobs if the labor movement starts innovating and organizing like never before. This could be our moment where we look back you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now and say, this was the time. Um, so we put everything we had in, in advocating for the passage of those bills. Um, and we see this uh, you know, as the moment where um, working people are going to rise up and essentially build that, rebuild that middle class uh, that we knew a generation ago, that has you know been hollowed out over time.
0: Yeah, because it was. I mean, with the way things were going, the direction it was heading. You know it was almost like we were going to become like you know the French bourgeoisie back in back in the day where there was just rich and poor. And I mean, we were really headed that way. You talk about semiconductors. my uh, my my brother worked in that industry, saw his job go overseas, very excited about this legislation, um you know because he's like, hey, I can you know work again, you know in my industry. And I so that's you know somebody in my own family, I know there's so many other thousands if not hundreds of thousands affected by that. I know you launched the Center for Transformational Organization. organizing, excuse me, the CTO. Um, Can you tell us a bit about that?
1: Yes. And it it really does, um, you know, come out of this desire to, if we're not organizing more workers into the labor movement than ever before now, then when will we? (laughs) So we have to be laser focused. So for the first time ever, we set a goal for ourselves—a um, million new members over the next ten years, which I said is a floor, not a ceiling. We can organize, you know, many, many millions of workers, but we want to hold ourselves accountable. And then we also raised our per capita resources. Each union contributing more money to invest in strategies across sectors. So um, our first sector that we're looking at is the clean energy economy because of the investments coming down from Washington. And we're going to have unions at the table who are going to work together, pull the curtain back and say, hey, let's collaborate on organizing. Even if I don't even get members, particularly in this sector, we realize that that rising tide lifts all boats. And so the clean energy economy is kind of the first area where we're really focusing our attention and resources on. Um, And we're doing it under the banner of a federation wide initiative um, so that all of our energy and focus amongst our staff and headquarters in the field um, is trained on organizing.
0: And that's beyond smart because, you know you you can either stay still or just move with technology and, and and progress and you know that that's wonderful and with you at the helm I'm I'm glad to see you know all the unions moving in that direction we had talked about sports i know you have a sports council and you added three new affiliates uh, correct me if i'm wrong that expanded this uh, council and actually helped to strengthen it the MLBPA the MLSPA um and the WNBPA Um, Talk to us a bit about that sports council and, you know, what you guys are hoping to do, because there are more and more areas of athletics that are unionizing.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, we had the NFL Players Association at our table for many, many years. They were the only athletes union in the federation and right before our convention we were able to bring in the women's soccer players um the nwslpa national women's soccer league players association and that started me thinking why aren't there more athletes in our federation and so we thought if we could build a um a council where both the athletes saw value you know joining the federation where we could provide support for their causes but also where the athletes could actually stand in solidarity in the labor movement with the other unions. And so one great example of this is when the bakery workers went on strike Mm -hmm. and the the NWSLPA um, was new to the Federation, we had Portland Thorns players out on that Nabisco picket line, which brought enormous attention, but also solidarity. Um, that they showed up for each other's fights. And so that's really what this is about is leveraging the power of, you know, uh, the athletes voices and platforms, but also knowing that the rest of the labor movement is going to be there to help them fight for their safety and health, health rights, their, um, player surfaces, their, um, work rules because they're workers too. And a lot of people think if you're an athlete, you're not a worker, but it's absolutely not the case.
0: You know, interestingly enough, we talked about the pandemic. In the pandemic, we kind of learned we are all in this together. You just cited a perfect example of how we are all in this together. Every job is important, whether you're the president of a company or you're uh, sweeping the floors at that company. You're an all an integral part of not just the company, but the workforce and the fabric of the economy of this country. So awesome. Um, What do you see on the horizon for working people looking forward?
1: well again we have these incredible approval ratings um, and so i just don't see the momentum ending anytime soon Um, workers are fed up they're fired up they see this economy not working for them the rules are broken Um, and so coming together collectively in a union is the solution and so the more we spread the word the more success we have in organizing um, you know the more contagious it is and in this moment where we have these transformative Investments, you know, obviously climate change on everyone's mind. We're now transitioning into a clean energy economy with new jobs that will be created that have never existed before. Um, we're now uh, harnessing the power of technology, um, again, creating new opportunities, but that will have a tremendous impact on work. And so, having workers' voices at the table, having our policies centered around what Uh, workers need will be our objective, especially as we um, see these emerging industries growing and the need to, uh, to harness the power of working people to make sure those are good union jobs.
0: You know, it's funny because when you read uh, literature or things uh, online about you and it talks about your passion about ensuring a just transition to the clean energy economy, and that's no BS because you could hear it right there. Um, We just have less than a minute left. How do you plan to keep up the momentum and enthusiasm for unions or would you like to just leave us with something else in the last minute up to you?
1: Well, I do know that, you know, we're thinking a lot about our democracy as we head into the elections of 2024 and that the labor movement will be at the heart of a mobilization like we've never seen before, because we know that misinformation and disinformation um, are you know, running rampant on social media, and the only way you cut through that is with face-to-face conversations. And that is our sweet spot in the labor movement. So we're gonna be mobilizing members like we always do, but making sure that everybody's engaged and active and um, ready to protect our democracy.
0: Thank you for joining us. Happy first anniversary. I I, I hope they keep you till you retire. Uh, The website for the AFL-CIO is aflcio.org. On Twitter, follow them there at AFL-CIO. Follow President Shuler at Liz Shuler, L-I-Z-S-H-U-L-E-R. And, uh, you know, if you haven't had the opportunity, look into what unionizing could do for you. No matter what sector you work in, you're going to get a better job, a better work environment, better health care, perhaps a pension, and better pay. Doesn't sound good. I'm Leslie Marshall, President Shuler. Again, thank you for being with us today on the program.